Happy Father's Day to all you amazing dads for being here this morning. And I'm, I'm really thankful for this opportunity that God has given me. And I thank the elders for giving me this opportunity to stand before you with God's word. It's an honor to be here this morning to share the truth on this, on this very, very special day. So research has, has shown that, that there is something that they call the father factor. Have you guys heard of that? The father factor? Where they say that nearly every societal ill, every crime that's committed in our country is somehow connected to a, a child who did not have a father figure in their life. And if you look at stats, it's crazy to see how a child who has a father who does not, and versus who does not have a father, how their lives turn out. And it's, it's a real thing. And today, I'm not here to talk about how to be a good dad, okay? There's a lot of information out there, right? A lot of books to read. But today, what I want to share with you today is about how to be a godly father. Not a good dad, but a godly dad. And uh, I was thinking about who, who is a good example from the Bible to talk about. And God just revealed to me this, this amazing story that I never thought of as a story of an, an amazing father. I want to show you, share with you very simple, three, three simple truths from the story of Noah. And if you don't know who Noah is, it's in the Bible. It's from the book of Genesis, chapter 6, till about chapter 9. And we see this amazing story of Noah. And I want to share with you three simple truths. The first thing is, Noah was a leader. And if you look at the story of Noah, you might think, well, that's not true because this guy preached for 120 years. God gave him a message to say, go preach and tell the people that there's going to be a flood that's going to come and destroy the entire human race and build an ark so that they can be saved from this, this calamity, right? But Noah preached for 120 years and not a single person believed him. So you're wondering, so how is he a good leader? But do you know who followed him? His kids and his wife. They followed him. Imagine being a child of Noah at that time. Imagine going to school and all these people are making fun of your dad, mocking him and mocking you because you are his son. Imagine going to the grocery store. Imagine playing for a job and everyone knows what your dad is doing. Like he's the punchline of every, every comedy, right? Every comedian. You know, the thing is, the funny thing is I right now am in a stage in life where, you know, my kids no longer think I'm a superhero anymore. They see me as this person who can be really awkward sometimes. And I know the things that I can do to make them totally embarrassed. <laughs> and I, I know what they are. So I can do it whenever I want to do it. I can say those things and they'll do the eye roll and they'll walk away from me. Imagine, imagine being that awkward dad like Noah and you are his kid for 120 years, putting up with all the ridicule, being this awkward, being the, the clown of, 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 the, of the city, of the town, right? And do you know why his kids... And his wife followed him as a leader. You know, I think they followed him because it's, seen, it's found in Genesis 6 verse 9. It says that Noah was a blameless man. That Noah walked with God. I think our kids are looking for that in us as fathers. They want to, they want to see us as people who honor God, who love God. And in spite of how, how crazy it looks like, I want our kids to say, this guy is nuts, but he loves God. It sounds crazy, but I'm going to follow him because this man loves God and he honors God. And I'm going to follow his lead. This morning, I want to ask you dads, are you a godly leader in your home? Because it's so easy for us as men to lead with our strength. To say, I'm bigger than you, I'm stronger than you. So do what I tell you to do to our children. It's easy to do that. But that is not the way God wants us to lead our families. Our kids should see us as people who love God, who honor God. Does your wife see you as a godly leader? Or someone who's just power tripping? Or someone who's just dismissive, who does not even lead his family, who's checked out? You know something? When we, as leaders of our family, don't lead our families well, we teach our children how to be poor leaders. And they do the same thing to their children, to their wives when they get older. 
So dads, I encourage you this morning to step up and lead your families. Next thing I want to talk about is, first of all, we see Noah being a, God, a man, a godly leader. Second thing I want to show you is that Noah was a follower of God. He followed God. You know something that's important to know and understand is that you cannot lead your family to a place that you haven't been before. If you expect your children to love God, to honor God, to be respectful, to be humble, to be teachable, we got to show it first. If you're not humble, if you're arrogant in the way you lead your family, the kids are going to watch you and learn how to behave. It doesn't matter what you tell them, they're going to watch your lifestyle. And just so you know, our primary, our primary responsibility as a father is not to raise good children. Yes, that's important. That's very, very important. Our primary responsibility is not to make sure that our kids get a good education. Yes, very, very important. Our kids should have a good home, should have a safe place to live, should have comfort, should have food and shelter. Yes, all those things are important, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing that we should teach our children is to love God, is to honor God. And the only way we get to do that is by modeling it. No other way. And that's why I think God has given us this beautiful family. Because it's impossible for us to live in a bubble and being a follower of Jesus. We need people. We need a family to walk this journey with us. I'm so thankful that we get to spend a weekend together celebrating, goofing off, right? Jumping in the water, getting wet, getting sunburned. Because this is what it looks like. Because we all need one another to walk this journey in following Christ. Do your kids see you as a dad who follows God? Do they see you making choices based on conviction with the, that comes from the Holy Spirit? Does your wife see you as someone who honors God and follows God? The next thing I want to share about is, you know, Noah was a leader. He was a follower. And this part, I think, is, is the hardest part for me when I see the story. You know, imagine being Noah, okay? He gets this message from God to build an ark, this major big ark, this, this boat, right? And they, scholars say, based on the manpower he had and based on the skills, based on the tools he had, it must have taken about 55 to 75 years to build that ark. That's a long time. So Noah builds this huge boat, right? And then he gets in the ark, and every living creature, uh, seven pairs of clean animals, right? And one pair of unclean animals get in this, in this big boat, and then the floods come. He hears the screamings of people who are dying outside, but he cannot rescue them, right? The, the, the ark begins to float. It rains for 40 days and 40 nights. Imagine that. And then... For what a year is how long it took for the waters to reside. That's a long time of being in a boat, being in, a, being in an ark, right? And after all this happens, we see in Genesis chapter, chapter 8, verse 16, it says that God's, God tells to Noah, God says, Noah, I want you to leave the ark now. Get out of the ark. You're done. Don't be here anymore. Not just you, your wife, your kids, and their kids too. I was thinking about that. Imagine if you invested 75 years on a project. And this is what you've done. This is what you're known for, right? This is your identity. And God says, move on. Leave it behind. Will you do that? And it says that Noah did that. He left the ark and walked away. I think so often we, we invest so much in what we do because as men, we somehow want to fix things. We want to build things. We want to build a nice home. We want to build a good career for our children to be happy and safe. And if God is saying, that's not what I want for you, man, quit. I want you to be here instead. Leave the ark. Will you do that for God? Are you, are you so focused on building this ark and you're not giving up that ark? You're so focused on building stuff that God does not want you to focus on anymore. Maybe it was there for a reason, for a season, yes. But maybe God wants you to move on. Will you give that up for God? Or is your identity wrapped around what you do but not on who you are? The next thing about the ark is with leaving the ark. I think so often 
we've learned things as as children and as we grow up we learn behaviors we learn we learn ways to survive you know situations right that that are happening at home at school and this is the place we hide and run run back to so imagine if noah never left the ark he said well god it's scary out there people are mean they were making fun of me all the time they hated me I, i'm happy here i got all my pets over here i'm really comfortable right now i got this going for me my kids are here my family's here why, why would i want to leave the ark it's cozy in here. I think so often we settle for being comfortable than, than stepping out in faith and trusting God to lead our families in, in, in the walk of faith, in the journey of faith. And sometimes, you know what? These, this art that we, that we have in our mind, and I see these little uh, coloring books that our kids draw in Sunday school, this beautiful little ark with giraffes and rhinos, right? I think this ark was a piece of rotting wood put together. Imagine being beat around the, in the ocean, in the waves, for a year long. This is a dark and dirty and smelly place with no ventilation. And you love that place. You don't want to give it up because it's your comfort. You know how to live over here. This works for me. The world sucks. I can be here and be happy. But God's saying, no, leave the dungeon and come back. Come out of this ark. I have this beautiful, beautiful world I've created for you. To live in, in, in joy in the sun, right, with me. But we choose to live in our own filth because we are so comfortable being in that filth. And we pull those around us to be with us. That's the sad thing. As, as fathers, we pull our families and say, this is how we do it in our home. We don't do those things. We don't, no, no, no. This is how I, uh, how I behave because this is what I've been through. This is who I am. But God is saying, no, you're not that person. I made you and you are a new creation in me. Stop being angry. Stop being bitter. Be humble. Come out. Come out if you're hiding and follow me. And I think so often we, we know how to survive in our little dungeons that we, we find ways to make it cozier, the dark hole that we live in, because we don't want to be in the light. The light is too harsh. People know who I am if I come out to the light. People, it's vulnerable. And we see Noah, he makes mistakes. The guy gets drunk, right? Yes, we are going to make mistakes. But there is joy, there's new life when we step out into the light. So this morning I want to ask you, what are you hiding from? Maybe this morning you've been in church for all your life, but you know in your heart that you live in bondage. You're still living in that, in that, in that ark that was meant to be there for a season, but, but God wants you to come out and live in freedom. Are you still stuck in that ark because that's your comfort? Are you holding your family with you in that ark because that's how you know how to live? You know, in Genesis 8, verse 20, 22, it says, it says that when Noah steps out of the ark, and this is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passage because, you know, if I were, if I were Noah, right, what would I want to do? I'd want to go sit under a tree, right, feel the breeze, maybe walk on the grass bare feet just to feel the tingling of this fresh green grass, right? But this is what Noah does. Noah builds, an, ar builds a, an altar. Ark first time, altar the second time. And the Bible does not talk about God asking him to do that. He builds an altar, and then he sacrifices some of every clean bird and every clean animal on that altar. Think about this. How many of you here have rescued an animal, a pet, right? We all have, right? Some of you have. And, you know, you brag about that, about your, the kitten that you rescued or the puppy that you rescued. This guy rescued every living creature known to mankind at the time. Okay? And imagine this. There was no way to, to find out what to feed a platypus, right? There was no way to Google search that. You know, he had to figure it out. Imagine all the work that he put into preserving these animals and creatures in this ark for a whole year. And then he comes out and what's the first thing he does? He sacrifices them to God. Maybe that's why we lost the dodo board, you know? I don't know. <laughs> but... There's a, there's a truth in this. I, I really believe that, that Noah understood that he was not the hero of the story. 
It wasn't his identity to rescue these animals or this livestock. He was not the savior of the story. God is in control. God is sovereign. That God could have rescued those animals by a thousand different ways if he chose to, but he chose to use Noah that, for that season, for that, for that story to happen. And this morning, I want to challenge you guys. Are you feeling that you, are, that you have to hold everything together, that you're the dad and you're the man of the house, that is in your hands? Or are you saying, God, I'm given a task to raise these children, to love my wife, to show them who you are, and I trust you completely. And if everything goes well, if it's good, if it's beautiful, I thank you for that. And the first thing you do when things go well is say, God, thank you. It's not my doing. It's not my strength. It's your work in me. And this morning, we, we're going to also, also have a time of prayer and also have baptisms too. And that's that part of stepping out in faith. If you are someone who has believed in God but not obeyed God in, in being baptized, I want to encourage you to model that to your children, to your family, what it is to follow God. And that, in, trust me, in that decision to make, to be baptized in many nations around the world is, is, is you asking for trouble, you asking to be ridiculed, being mocked, losing your jobs, getting persecuted by your own family members. It's a big deal. If you choose to follow Christ, and if you haven't done that, I want you to say, God, I want to be honest about it. I want to be open and not ashamed, afraid about telling the fact that I'm a Christian. And it's okay if I get persecuted, if I get mocked, if I get uninvited on Facebook for an event. It's not a big deal. And this morning, if you are hiding in your sins, in your dungeon, that you call your ark, your safety, confess your sins to one another. Let your kids see you as a broken man. Let them see you desperate for God, for unity, for fellowship, and they'll follow your lead. So if you can, if you, uh, I want you to close your eyes with me, okay? And I'm going to have Bryn close us in prayer and pray for us. Thanks, John. Every year we do a tradition where we pray for fathers on Father's Day and those that are wanting to be fathers or those that have lost fathers. And so we did something a little bit different on Mother's Day this year, and we're going to do that today. I'm going to ask you to be a little bold. So I'm going to pray through very specific situations of those that had maybe abusive fathers or have lost fathers or... If, or are struggling fathers. And if I say something that, uh, that applies or pertains to your life as a father or an aspiring father or any of those situations, would you be so bold to stand up? We're going to have people closing their eyes. That's fine. So you don't have to worry about like looking around and seeing if anyone stands up. But I want, I want you to stand up if what I'm about to pray for applies to you. And if someone next to you, if your spouse or someone next to you stands up, would you just reach your hand out and just pray quietly for them at the same time? Would you guys be willing to do that? Does everyone understand the instructions on that? This is an interactive prayer, okay? Get you guys out of those hot seats. Okay, so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to talk about baptism. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your willingness to give us fantastic weather today. God, it has been so fun to be together as a family, and I just pray right now. I want to stop and pray specifically on a day that can bring about just fantastic memories and can also be a day of mourning as we stop to celebrate dads. So God, as we stop to today to recognize dads, I want to first come to you to do a miracle in the lives of the men that are here that desperately want to be dads but aren't. Father, would you please, please help them to trust in you. God, for the dads that are afraid of failure that are here today, help them to fear nothing but you. Step with confidence that only comes with your spirit. God, for the, father, for the fathers that are here today that feel regret, Father, would you help them to see your redemption in their futures? God, for the single dads, whether they're a widower or for any other reason, we pray for grace. Would you fill in the gap that is felt when doing this on their own? And please remind them that they have a family in you. God, for those that are here today that have lost dads, Holy Spirit, would you please comfort like you promised to do so? 
Father, for the dads that have lost children, whether in the womb or after birth, Father, please show them that you are at work and sovereign even in this painful loss. God, for the dads that have released children out for adoption, God, would you rest their hearts and show them your work in this whole process. For foster dads, Lord, Father, would you give them the strength and ability to make a lasting effect for your glory in the lives of these kids that you entrust to them. Father, I pray for the single men that are here today that so desire to be dads, believe the calling to be dad in their life, but aren't even married yet. Lord, would you please, please help them to not settle, but to hold relentlessly to you in this time of waiting. God, I pray for those awaiting the adoption of their son or daughter. Father, please bring those kids home swiftly and safely. God, for the dads that just aren't present, whether at home, in the kids' lives, in their marriage, help them to see the value of their role and to step into the leading of your spirit. God, for those that don't know or haven't ever met their dad or their dad was never around, help them to know you better than any hole that this may leave. I pray, Father, that you would show them that you are more than the fill, that, than you are more than filling a void. And I pray you would, you would also bring father figures around them in this community. God, for the dads that aren't leading their home, whether out of laziness or pride or ignorance, God, would you please help them to submit to your leading in their life? Help them to love like Christ loves and nothing else. Father, for the dads that are empty nesters, help them to trust your leading on their kids' lives. Help them to have peace with the choices that their kids make and help them to continue to pray fervently for their kids even though they're not at home. I pray that they would not get lost in this season. God, for those who desire so badly to be dads but aren't yet, trust. Would you just help them to trust you? For the dads that believe the lie that they're only to provide financially, would you give them a perspective of the time that is missed in only doing that? For new dads or expecting dads, God, I pray for humility and peace knowing that you are their strength. For those who have had or have abusive dads, God, would you restore what is so broken? For dads that are consumed by pride, Father, would you please break them down and bring, them, bring about true humility through your redemptive work? For dads that are comparing themselves to other dads, help them to see themselves fearfully and wonderfully made. Help them to identify their worth and identity as a child of you. Help them to be the dads that you had created them to do, to be. For dads that have messed up or are messing up in huge ways right now, help them to see you as a redeemer, that there is no mess that they can create that you can't undo. There is no mess that they can create that your grace is not sufficient for. God, for the spiritual dads who have played the role to dads to so many, even though they weren't their nuclear family, thank you so much for being obedient to the spirit and filling in the gap. God, for, for the dads that don't have the support of their wives, either spiritually or them just being present at home, Lord, would you please grab these women's hearts in a way that only you can. Help these dads to see you working faithfully in their wives. For the dads that have children that have walked away from their relationship with them, Lord, would you do what only you can do and restore and reconcile. And Father, for the dads who have unbelieving children, Father, would you bring them home? Would you fold them into this family? God, we plead with you that you would do what you do best. You would redeem, heal, show up and remind each of these men that they, that you are more than enough and that you are present. God, would they feel your ever-present hand in their lives today? And God, we thank you for being more than enough. We praise you for your work that you are doing in the lives of each of these men in this space. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys you may be seated. We're going to move to a time of baptism. And right now I think we have about three people getting baptized, which is awesome. I want to talk about it real quickly 
Jesus, there's this really cool, cool opportunity where Jesus kind of sets on scene. He's been coming around. This is out of Matthew um, chapter 3. He's coming to be baptized and by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is kind of arguing with him, saying, no, I can't, I can't baptize you. Like, I'm not worthy to do this. And Jesus is like, no, it needs to happen. It needs to happen because it needs to be done the way it was written, the way it was expected to be done. And so John and Jesus get into the water. And Jesus, Jesus gets baptized to him. And when, when Jesus comes up out of the water, John, Jesus, and all the people that are around that are experiencing and seeing this, all of a sudden the heavens open up. And this is what it says in 16 and 17. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately when he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, now listen to this, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Romans 6, 3, 4 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And the reason why I went to those two scriptures, I think so often many of us withhold baptism in our life because we don't believe we're worthy. We're like, I just, I'm not ready yet, or I'm afraid of what people may think. I just, I don't know how God feels about me. Well, when we are in Christ, the heavens opening up and the declaration that God makes of Jesus is of us as well as his children. Sit in that for a moment. When you have been baptized, when you've been come to know the Lord, you have the heavens parted and the Lord looks down and says, Bren, I am well pleased with you. Not by anything I've done, not by anything that I won't do, but because of what Jesus Christ has done in my place for me. And that's the truth of all of us. Anyone who submits their life to Jesus Christ, God utters those words of well-pleased. I am well-pleased. You are my dear son. You are my, my lovely daughter. You are my children, and I am well-pleased with you. Despite your sinfulness, despite your struggles, despite your past, despite what you may do in the future, I'm well-pleased with you because I'm well-pleased in my son, Jesus Christ, and we have been buried and died and resurrected with him in the likeness of him. So we're going we're gonna to do some baptism in a second. The band's going to come up, and we're going to sing a song in this time. A couple of the elders, Brian and Danny and I, are back here. We'll be over here. If you have any questions about that baptism or you want to talk about it or you're just curious, it doesn't make, mean you're committed if you come talk to us. That's fine. And then in a second, we're going to go down to these waters. You guys can either come down or stay right here. It's totally fine, and we're going to get some baptisms to happen. So let me pray for us. God, thank you for giving us such a simple thing, an obedient act to follow you in baptism. A recognition that takes immense humility, seeing that we cannot do it on ourselves, that we are not smarter than you. We have not figured out some loophole. You are greater than anything we can imagine. And God, I pray for death. I pray that we would die so that you can live in us. I pray that we'd be faithful for that. I pray for the, for the individuals, the bold individuals, even hearing some of the stories of these, the, the couple of the kids that are getting baptized today were, were nervous to do it in front of people, but wanted to be obedient to you. And God, I pray for adults to have that faith. God, I pray for all of us to have um, a faith that comes only from you, a gift. And I pray that those that would be baptized today wouldn't be done, doing so in a way that they could bring glory to themselves, but that you'd be glorified in their lives, not just today, but for the rest of their lives. God, it is so good to hear that you are well pleased with me in spite of my shortcomings. It is so amazing to know that I am right now anchored to the throne room of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is so amazing to know that there is nothing that can take me out of your grasp, no matter how hard I sin, no matter how hard I struggle. Your grace is always there, God. And because of your love, I desire not to sin, go on sinning, but to live an obedient life with you. And baptism is a declaration of that. It's a, I'm dying to myself so I can live in Christ and that he may be glorified and magnified in my life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.